0: Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth that is found in it. And like most Sundays, Father, our enemy and our adversary would love nothing more than to distract us, to pull our our minds and our hearts away from you. And God, we pray that you would not give him victory in this place this morning. Lord, that you and you alone would be the focus of our thoughts, of our attention, of our affection, that God, we would meditate on your word and the truth that is found in it. Father, in spite of a sinful and frail preacher, we ask that you speak and you speak powerfully from your perfect word. God, each of us comes in here this morning from a different walk of life and we all need to be challenged. Many of us need to be encouraged. Some of us need to be comforted, Lord, and lifted up. Father, there's some of us that just need to be indicted by Your Word, to be put on trial and laid bare before the truth of Your Gospel. We pray, Lord, that in spite of all the distractions, in spite of everything that could possibly go wrong, that You would do this miracle, that You would accomplish this miracle this morning of proclaiming Your Word. Father, that You would do this in spite of us, that we would hear and be pierced to our very hearts. God, we love you. Oh, Father, we need you. We ask that you move and that you speak in these moments. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I invite you to take that Bible and turn with me once again to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, this morning we're going to be beginning in verse 7, Philippians chapter 3, Verse 7. If you don't have your own copy of God's word, please know that there are some in the pews in front of you and you're welcome to take one of those. Use it this morning. If you don't have one at home, take it with you. That is our gift to you. We have more. We will replenish. If you don't have a Bible, but you would like to just follow along on your phone or tablet or maybe on the screens, however you're accessing the word of God, I would ask if you are able, would you please stand with us out of reverence to the word of God as we look together now? At Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. The word of the Lord says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as Rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God In Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything and if in anything you think otherwise. God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many Many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, folks, we we touched on some of these verses last week. And so as we continue through these verses, as we look back through some of these verses that we've seen, that's why we go back to verse seven. Folks, I've been just wrecked by this text all week and all last week. Guys, this is a text that should shake us to our very core. To the core of who we are, whether you believe in Jesus right now or whether you're skeptical, whether you've been following him for 10 years or 10 days, these passages are some of the most powerful that we find in all of Scripture about the manner in which we live our lives. He's going to end some of these verses by talking about our citizenship being in heaven, which is going to tie back to what he said in chapter 1, verse 27, The word that he used there was walking worthy of the gospel. It's a play on words in Greek so that this is tied directly, our citizenship in heaven, to walking worthy of the gospel. Walking worthy of the gospel is described in explicit detail for us in These verses, living like a citizen of heaven is described explicitly in these verses. So if you would like to count yourself, if I would like to count myself as a citizen of heaven, we ought to pay attention. And folks, sometimes it's easy for us to look around and go, "Eh, you know, I ain't quite as bad as that guy over there. I mean, look at what she's doing over there. You know, I I ain't cooking meth down in my basement. I'm doing all right, you know. I don't hurt nobody. I don't punch nobody. I don't drink too much. You know, I don't, I don't smoke too much. You know, I don't, I'm definitely not doing marijuana. I'm not doing any heavy drugs. So I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I go to church every once in a while. I go to church more than that guy goes to church. I'll tell you that right now. And it's very tempting for us to look at one another as a measuring stick to see how well we are doing in living out the gospel. And let me tell you, we are professionals. I am a professional rationalizer and justifier. I can always find somebody that can make me feel better about myself. But then you look at Scripture. This is the measure. This is the standard. And I fall very short of this standard. Even in verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss For the sake of Christ. Folks, just sit in that verse for a moment. What are things in your life that you count as gains? You don't have to say them out loud, but in your mind, I want you to recount the gains of your life. I even look at my children as gains in my life. God has added to me and given me gain in my life because he has given me these three precious children, two very handsome boys and a a beautiful daughter. He's given me a beautiful wife. Even the people in my life, I count as gain because they are a blessing to me. And Paul said he counted everything, even his mom, even his dad. His community, everything he knew, everything that once was profitable to him became a debt. It was no longer in the credit column. It was in the debt column. He shifted his perspective when Christ made himself unknown to Paul on the road to Damascus. When Paul saw and met Jesus, everything that was positive, everything that was good, everything that was a gain was no longer important to him. It was a loss instead of a gain. Probably had a very profitable tent-making business. Probably made a lot of money to support himself. And was on the fast track to being one of the Sanhedrin. One of the religious leaders in society that day. He was on the fast track to having renown. He was on the fast track to being known by everybody. By being able to tell everyone else when they had fallen short. Of being the arbiter and the judge of the very law of God, and all of that, all of it, went to the lost column. So, what in your life is in the gain column? Folks, I, I, I wish I, I could tell you that as we walk through these verses, I, I've got some fancy Greek that I've studied, and I, I've done some word studies. i got some Hebrew for you, and I'm on wow you with some in-depth interpretation and translation of the text. But folks, it's just too straightforward. What you had, what I had as gain, if we are going to truly follow Christ, now must be lost to us. A few weeks back, uh, probably last month, we began to support this ministry called For His Kingdom. And so they send us email updates and they've been begging us recently to pray for this young man who they could only give us a letter. They said, just pray for S and the Lord will know who S is. He left his family and there was a sheik. Who wanted him dead because he trusted in Christ. Folks, we fall victim to how easy it is to trust in Christ. I'm getting email updates from real people in the other side of the world, in Iraq, in Syria, in Iran, all of these places where if they trust in Jesus, not only are they cut off from their family, but there are people seeking their lives. And praise God, we got an email update this week that there was turmoil back in their home country. And so that sheik left and gave up searching for S. And so he is hidden in the underground church they're in that part of the Middle East, I can't even tell you where in the Middle East, and he is safe, but everything that was a gain to him is now lost. He has nothing. He cannot go and say, I would like a job and I am a Christian. Those two things would get him killed immediately. And you and I go, well, you know what, I'll do the church thing, you know, I mean... I'll show up. I'll be there. It seems convenient. Folks will think better of me if I show up. People, to believe in the gospel, to trust in Jesus, means I have to count everything that was a gain in my life as a loss. As he continues on, he, he says all of it is worth losing because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is so valuable, is so worthy. That it's worth losing everything we have and everything that we are and everything that we own. It's worth that. It's worth being persecuted. It's worth being treated like garbage. And you and I get all up in arms when somebody loses their business because they made a cake for a homosexual couple. that They refused to make a cake for a homosexual couple. Oh man, that's terrible persecution. They lost their business. Yes, it is. But you know what? They have the freedom to start a new business. They ended up making a lot of renown and fame out of this court case. It was a great thing that happened when their court went in their favor. But folks, we don't know persecution. That doesn't even scratch the surface to what our brothers and sisters are facing around the world. They have to do what Paul said and count everything that was a gain as a loss. We don't even know the half of that. And Jesus is worth it. For the sake of Christ, we are willing to suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that we may gain Christ. Can can we just be real? I know we've already been pretty heavy, all right? Sermon started off heavy, wasn't a lighthearted joke. I know sometimes I start off with a story or a joke. We didn't go there this morning. It's already pretty heavy. I just want to know. I've had to wrestle with this question two weeks now. Am I willing to suffer the loss of all things? count them as rubbish in my life in order that I may gain Christ? Is, is He worth that to you? Is He worth losing all of your friends, all of your family turning their back on you? Losing your house, your car, being out on the street, losing everything that you have? Counting it all as worthless for the sake of knowing Christ. And being found in Him. Do you believe to that degree? Do I believe to that degree? Or are we just playing church? Verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And may share in His sufferings. And become like Him in His death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Folks. There's hope at the end of this story, because even if we lose everything that we have, there's resurrection from the dead. The worst that can happen to us is that our life here on earth is taken and people that truly get the gospel understand what Paul has already said earlier in the book, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. The gains in life are counted as loss because the loss of life is now a gain. Folks, do we have that kind of faith? Or do we just live out cultural Christianity because, you know, it's, it's convenient. People think better of me if that's how I live. Are we striving for the gospel? This is what Paul says. Even Paul himself in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it. Not that I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus made it. His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've already made it my own. Paul, the apostle, does not consider that he has already made the reward his own. He's still working towards it, pressing on. And this is how he presses. He forgets. Do one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. Folks, sometimes I wonder if you and I here in the South only ever mature to adolescence in our faith. Sometimes I wonder if you and I only ever become 10, 9, maybe 11 in our faith, in the maturity that we have in our faith. Because what Paul says is what he is doing, the things that we have read, counting our gains as losses, forsaking all other, forgetting what's behind, pressing on towards what's ahead. All of that is what the mature in Christ do. So if we are in Christ and we're not doing these things, our only other option is that we must be babies or maybe toddlers or maybe we're like six or maybe we've made it to adolescenthood. Maybe we're in that really awkward preteen stage where our nose is really big and our face has got to grow into it. Was that just me? Nobody else? Anybody else? Maybe you're in that spiritual maturity realm of having acne all over your face and your voice is not right where it should be. There's growing pains. You feel awkward because you're in the process of moving forward in your faith. And I know that you might think that that's silly to think about being a preteen. Or going through puberty in your maturity in Christ. But those of us who make it to being mature live the way that Paul is talking about. So those of us who are working towards that have awkward conversations. Have you ever had that awkward conversation? Hey, um, I just want to tell you, uh, uh, ch- um, church, ch- uh, with me, go? Yes. No? Sure. Ch- yeah. Uh-huh. Good. Have you ever had that conversation? You want to tell somebody about Jesus so bad. You you know this is your call. You know that you're supposed to be pressing on. You know you're supposed to forget what's behind. You know the things to do and you start to do them. Folks, I just go back to the analogy that Jake gave us when he talked about Philippians chapter 2. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work to will to do a good work in us. The Lord is holding our hands and we're standing there and we're like, okay. Okay, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. I can do this. I'm going to let go of his hand. I'm standing. I'm a baby. I'm a toddler. I'm standing. I can do it. I'm going to take a step. Ho, I took a step. I did it. I made a step. Ho, Oh! Well, I fell down. Do you think at this point that Jesus looks at us and goes, (laughs) Oh, you. point and laugh at Lily when she falls down? No! I pick her up and we try again. And we try again. And before you know it, she's walking on her own. And before you know it, she's going across the room. And before you know it, she can share the gospel with somebody. Do you see the correlation here? There are going to be awkward conversations. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable. But if we want to stop being babies and be mature Christians, then we've got to forsake everything that we knew. We've got to forget everything that lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead. The status quo has got to change. We can't just keep doing the same old, same old, because that's the way we did it. You guys all remember the story about the woman who cut off the ham, right, the end of the ham to put it in the pan? So her great-grandmother cut the end of the ham off to put it in the pan. And then once she puts it in the pan, it fits into the oven. Well, two generations down, the great-granddaughter is still cutting off the end of the ham. She goes to her mom and says, why do we cut off the end of the ham? The mom goes, says, I don't know, goes to her mom, the grandmother, says, why do we cut off the end of the ham? She doesn't know. Goes to the great-grandmother. Great-grandmother says, oh, honey, you know what? We didn't have pans big enough for them hands. I just had to cut the end off so it fit in a pan. Three generations, they've been cutting the end off of the ham for no reason. Folks. It's time that the status quo changes for what is expected of us as mature Christians. Yes, there is a place to learn and be stagnant. Yes, there is a place to grow up in the gospel. Yes, there is a place to be timid and to be shy. But that place should be short-lived. We should be maturing in the gospel So that we live like Paul and press on towards the prize, the upward calling in Christ Jesus. This is what citizens of heaven do. We remember where our citizenship really lies. This is just an embassy. We're in a foreign land at an embassy for our true home. But sometimes we get so comfy in the embassy that we forget that this is a temporary stopping point. Folks, one of my favorite things, okay, was what we saw when Micah started Division I soccer, all right? If you played soccer this morning and you know the coach that I'm talking about, I have not gotten clearance to talk about him, and I hope he will forgive me, but i got to ask his forgiveness anyway. Let's get into the story. Here we go. So we are practicing soccer months ago before the league ever starts, and this guy is out there, and I want you all to know this is intense. This is Team USA, okay, and Team USA was in. Tense, like camping, okay, in tents, all right? Everything about it was tough. He's out there, and our practice is over, all right? It's 15 minutes after our practice ended, and he had the same practice time slot, okay? I'm milling around talking with people because I, I don't know how to shut up and walk home, all right? And I look over, and he says, kids, take a knee. Some of the kids get down, you know, they're like this, and they're like kicking at the grass. That ain't a knee. This is a knee. Boys get down on your knee, right here. When I say take a knee, this is what you do. And he is like, you can hear him all the way across the field. Well, I want you to know it. one of them kids got up and they took a knee. And I mean, it was, they paying attention. And then in Division 1, Micah is 6. These are 6, 7 and maybe 8 year olds in this league. He says, boys, that was a terrible practice. We got to be conditioned. Ain't nobody going to beat us out of You guys want to run? And every one of those kids, you ask a bunch of six, seven-year-old boys if they want to run every time. Yeah, let's go. So then they all hop up. He puts them on the line. He says, go. I mean, suicides. We're touching the line. We're running back. We're touching the line. We're running back. And then there's some kids going slow. Come on, hustle. Give me some effort. I'm going, don't start him on the Bear Cross coach. Don't do it to him. They're just kids. They're not ready. He had a new status quo for coaching. Don't you know, we kind of made jokes about him. Like, I really do need to ask this man's forgiveness. Because we joked about, golly, man, this is like Division One soccer. Chill out, dude. I want you to know, he had one of the best teams in the league. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's going to coach the all-star team. You know what happens when you forget everything else and you look really weird to everybody? You accomplish something valuable. But but, but Pastor, I I don't don't really, I I mean, I don't know how to talk to people. Figure it out. You know why I'm telling you to figure it out? Because i got to figure it out. It's not an option. We are the ambassadors for Christ. And our lives should look drastically, markedly different from everybody else in this world, in this society, even in South Alabama and Covington County. People should go, you're going to go do do foster children? But what about your kids? I've been the one to say that. Your kids are so young. You're going to bring these foster children into your house. Why would you do this? Are you not worried about your own kids? Well, we are, but this is for Jesus. He's called us to do this, and we're going to do it. Well, why are you picking up and moving all the way over to another part of the world? I just don't understand. Because this is for Jesus. He's worth it. And He called us to do it. Why are you leaving your job? I just don't understand. You, you have so much stability. Well, why, why would you do that? Because this is for Jesus. He's worth it. And He called us to do it. Folks, sometimes we get stuck in our rut and forget that this is, life is for jesus he's worth it and he's called me and he's called you to count everything else as loss not to keep up with the joneses not to live the middle class american dream one of my favorite phrases is from the dave ramsey's little radio show you know we've been doing the financial peace university on wednesday nights and I've been listening to his radio show from time to time to get some answers as we're, as we're going through this. He starts every show off by saying where this is the Dave Ramsey show where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. That means that folks that are in the Dave Ramsey camp have decided that it is a better status symbol to have a house that is paid off than to have a BMW, and instead of people recognizing that you have been wise with your with your wealth with your money by having a BMW, you prove that by having no debt and a house that is paid for. It's a shift of your thinking, and it's a big shift just in your finances, folks. That's the kind of shift we are all called to make for Christ, and as we mature. We should be doing these things that people, even other church members and Christian friends who aren't there in that maturity yet, should look at us and go, why would you do this? I don't understand. I've read the Bible, but I I don't know why you would do this. You remember, months ago, leverage, leave, lead. If we want to live a life that is worthy of the gospel, we should do radical things in ordinary ways to leverage, leave, and lead. Leverage our lives and our jobs for the sake of the gospel. Leave what we have known to be our home and go where God calls us to be on mission for Him or lead others to do that. Folks, I think that I have been very guilty of just enjoying the middle class American dream. Maybe these verses don't hit you like this. But it's not about keeping up with your neighbor. It's not about being comfortable. It's not about making life easy. It's not about retiring in a cushy way so that you don't have a lot of work. It's about giving up everything for Jesus. Because He is worth it. And He has called us to do it. So folks, where are you in your maturity? Do you know Jesus at all? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I might sound like a crazy person. I usually do. But I want you to know He's worth it. It's worth it to give up all that we have and all that we own for Him and His sake. Because He's worth it. It's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like me. You're in my boat. You've been living the comfy, easy life. You've been filling your life with hobbies and things to distract you and bide your time. Until such a time as you can stand before the Lord and say, I believed in Jesus. Didn't I do good? Say, well done. Welcome me home. Come on now. Maybe you've been like me and that's been what you've been doing. We're called to be mature. It's time for us together those of you who are in this boat with me, to grow up in the gospel. It's time that we stop being toddlers and we grow up into full, mature Christians. Folks, maybe you've been on the cusp of doing that. You've been starting to share the gospel more. I want to, to encourage you, stay with it. Be uncomfortable for the gospel. Be the weirdo that people make fun of because you're willing to have a conversation with anybody. Because you're willing to make any conversation come back to Jesus. And people look at you and go, golly, what a weirdo. Be that person for Jesus. He's worth it. And he's called us to do it. Let's pray. God, please forgive us. Lord, forgive me. Father, don't let us just go through life meeting the status quo of those around us. Let us to follow the example that You gave us in Paul and in Timothy and in Epaphroditus, Lord. God, that these men were willing to give up everything for You to go wherever You told them to go. To do whatever you told them to do. To be strange to the rest of the world for the sake of you, our Savior. For the sake of attaining the resurrection. For the sake of receiving a glorified body to replace this weak, fleshly body. Lord, help us to remember the goal. To press on. To forget what lies behind. To strive For the upward calling in You. Lord, help us. Have mercy on us. Father, cause us to change. Do not let us leave the same. Don't let this just be another Sunday, another sermon that we hear. and That nothing happens in our lives. Lord, don't let this be another sermon that I preach and I go home and nothing changes in my life. Lord, we pray that You would move in power. You would cause us to change. To grow up in the Gospel. Father, we love You. We need You. We ask that during this time of response, You would move in power. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.